0: Welcome to Tugum Carey First Assemblies Podcast. Our prayer is that through today's message, you're both encouraged and challenged wherever you might be in your walk with Christ. Now, open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God.
1: But I want you to stand up with me. It's good to see everybody way in the way back. I know you're in a different time zone. I'll probably be back there within a couple of minutes. So, um, but I want you to. I want you. I'm, I know we're talking about relationships. Right, We have talked about knowing God, our relationship with God. And then Jen spoke. Can I just stop for a moment? I have to do this. I was meant to do this earlier. I just want to say thank you guys. I don't think you guys understand the gifts that you have. And here's what I mean. Usually when lead pastors leave, their staff leaves with them. And they've stepped up. And she said she, she wears many hats. They wear many hats. And a lot of times they have to literally combine hats and wear multiple hats at the same time, right? But I want to say thank you, guys. You are a major part of everything that's happening. And I so, let me back that up. Shelly and I so love and appreciate you guys. So he's saying right now, he's whispering in her ear, uh, I love Jamie. That's what he, I heard him say that. I love you too. But uh, I just say thank you, guys. So, man, you guys are God's best, so much God's best, and I am so excited for the days ahead. But uh, they, Jen preached on uh, the, the second, the second uh, Sunday, and then Nick came in. How many of you enjoyed Nick? I love Nick. He made me a fishing pole. I love him that much more. <laughs> but uh, we've talked about relationship, and today we're going to talk a lot about maybe the mess of relationships, And we don't like talking about the mess, but I want to talk to you about the prodigal. And I was just driving in. When you get five and a half hours of drive time or five hours of drive time, and it was just me. I didn't have Shelly to talk to. um, I just, God just started doing business with me, and he's in the details. I don't know if you know that. I'm reading through the book of Numbers right now, and, and God's in the details, and that's a very hard book to read. Because we don't want to know that everybody, everything and everyone counts. But God counts every little one. And you're here not by accident. If this is your first Sunday here, I want to say welcome. And I want to say you're right on time. If you're a normal part of this, you're, you're going to receive something from God today. But I want you to open up your heart. And the way that we're going to open up your heart, I started this... Many years ago I'd been preaching for years and then all of a sudden I went into my prayer time and I was reading I just read out of the book of revelations and God wrote seven letters to his churches and in every one of those letters to his churches right to the people that that he was trying to get their attention, he said something over and over and over again in all seven letters and he said, he was eyes, let him see he was ears, let him hear. And I asked the Lord in prayer in that particular prayer that day. I said, God, why did you tell them that that they if they have eyes that they should see? And he says, because just because their eyes doesn't mean that they're open. Just because they have eyes doesn't mean they're open. Just because they have ears doesn't mean they're listening. And he said, I'm always doing something and I'm always saying something. And he said, and if they're not hearing it or seeing it, it's because they're not paying attention. And so I started personally, every time I open up the word, I would open up with saying this prayer that I'm about to lead you in. Because I want God to speak to me. I want God to personalize what he's saying to me. He can speak to everybody, but I want that thumbprint. I want that fingerprint of God on my life when I leave this building. So you got to come, just know, this is not restaurant style, this is buffet. If you leave hungry, it's your own dang fault. <laughs> if you want something, don't wait for us to come fill your water. Go to the tank. If you're hungry, go to the, go to the, 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 the buffet. What am I talking about? If you're hungry, get to the altar today. You're, you're talking to a preacher that will give an altar call every time he preaches. So if you're hungry, if you're looking, if you're not Set your heart ready for it. And so I want you to do something. Close your eyes and go to that place where decisions are made. Because before you really know my title, my topic, or my text, you got to make a decision on whether or not you're going to try to have your way with God or you're going to allow God to have His way with you. Because there's a lot of people in thousands and tens of thousands of churches all over the world that are gathering, that have a concept and a mindset and a motive that they're going to... Have their way with God. And they're not going to allow God to have his way with them. But what if we, what if we shifted that? What if we simply waived our rights and said, God, whatever you want to do. Whatever it feels like. Whatever it sounds like. God, I just want you to have your way. And I want to leave this place closer to you and better than I came. If you're ready for God to speak to you and have his way with your life, I want you to raise both hands towards heaven. Like you're trying to get something off the top shelf. Reach them up high. And if you're ready for God to speak to you, say this with me. Say, Jesus, today is my day. Speak to me and transform me by your word. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. And give me a heart and a mind that's ready, willing, and able to believe and receive every word that you would speak into my existence. God I give you full permission and access to do what only you can do, but from this moment on, you have my attention, you have my permission, so have your way in Jesus' name. Everyone said, "Amen, you may be seated in heavenly places. Look at the person next to you and says you are you're blessed today because you get to sit next to me." <laughs> Marriage counseling will come later for those that are fighting. <laughs> I thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, when I'm thinking about relationships, there's one story. There's so many stories in the Bible you can go to, but there's one story that really speaks to me. And and I, I preach one. I, I preach one of two types of messages: ones I've lived or the ones I am living. I can't preach something that doesn't work. I can't preach something that I don't believe in. And whenever something comes out of my mouth, usually it's not just because I've, I've perfected and I've overcome that. It's usually because I'm in the midst of that. And so it's what God's speaking to me. And so when we were talking about this whole relationship, and have you guys enjoyed this month, all the different... I, I just, when we were talking about this, I just thought, man, how can we bring this, not, not to a close, but how can we really take it to the next level? And when I was studying, I I, I literally came in a little bit early yesterday and, and Jen wrote me and she said, are you here yet? And I said, yeah, I got here a while ago. I'd just been writing and I just jumped in and I started writing this message and it really is called the prodigal. But the whole subtitle is what's love got to do with it? I knew he broke out in the exact same song today. Exact. He even did the little dance that they learned at men's conference. It was like this and like, I don't know. Do you guys, any men go to the men's conference? How many of you loved Reggie and Dan? I told you they're the best. They're the best. Derek and Jay are doing amazing jobs. They. I'm going to tell you, you better get registered early next year because they will run out of room. They will not, those two men will not be satisfied until they're in like, The largest stadium in New Mexico So get ready But I want you to turn in in your Bibles To a couple of different places First we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 3 And then we're going to read in Psalms 103 And then Luke 15 is where we're going to conclude So 1 John chapter 3 Then Psalms 103 And then Luke 15 you know what I've found out, and and I'm not. Please hear me. I am not the master at any relationship. I am the disaster of every relationship. I tell you what, Shelly and I just celebrated 29 years of marriage. Come on, somebody, that's good stuff right there. You're clapping for her because I don't get, I don't I haven't earned any of that. But I tell people on a regular basis. The Bible says that that uh, that we're gonna God's. Jesus went away, and he's preparing a place for us, and we've talked about mansions and different things that he's building. Can I tell you that Shelly will have a massive mansion? I will have a porta potty but she will have a massive mansion, and hopefully my porta pottys in her backyard. Just want to be close. I know we're not married, but I just want to say, hey, I knew her. Remember me? And she's like, I, I came here to forget you. But 29 years. It's been amazing. That's the bow. But it's not always been fun. It's been hard. I have three beautiful children, 27, 24, and 18. I love, you'll see, I promise you, you will see family pictures of us, right? Right? And they're, they're perfect. And they, the, the, the people that take the pictures, they take out the spots. They take out the blemishes, right? They, they, they work out the colors. And everything's coordinated at that moment. Can I tell you, do you know how many fights we were in before we got there? That we literally had to tell the kids, quit crying before we have to give you something to cry about. I'm the only one that said that. But we, we, on social media, it's easy to see these pictures. It's easy to see how everything looks great. But there was a whole lot of mess. Before, during, and after. How many of you were those parents when you were taking a a family picture? That kid spilled something on that shirt. Or on their clothes. And now you have to reposition them. Or now all of a sudden everybody's wearing jean jackets. Because you're trying to cover up the mistakes, the messes, right? Because nobody wants to see that. But in reality, in the society we live in, that's the problem we have. Is nobody looks at the messes. But we're all in progress. We're all under construction. And if we would just get real today. Man, a lot of us are hurting a lot of us are struggling with hopelessness. A lot of us are depressed and deflated and discouraged. And man, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in our emotions, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be our kids, whether it be our housing, whatever it is, there's something going on. But yet, when people ask, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing amazing, brother. Right. I just want to I want to tell the reason I, I I'm bringing up this particular scripture is because of the fact that it talks about the mess. I was, we've shared the story about how that we're in the process of raising funds to get a vehicle to travel all over. Last year, I put 70,000 miles. I had a guy reach out to me the other day, and he said, why don't you just go buy one? And I said, that's great. I said, I want to enjoy that product of that new car. I just don't want to pay the price tag of it. Now, break that up into relationships, we want the product. We just don't want the price tag. And everybody looks at finished products and we're, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. I'll never forget. I, I, it was a long time ago. I, we, have a, we have a Peloton bike. And now it's just a hanger. Um, <laughs> told you I am just going to expose the mess. But I was on it one time and the, one, of the, one of the instructors was talking and I believe it was for an area and I, when I was in my life and this one instructor says, stop comparing your chapter one to everybody else's chapter twenty nine. And I just sat there and all of a sudden riding the bike got a little bit easier, Bob, because I wasn't thinking about how bad my legs hurt <laughs> or how t- uncomfortable that seat is, that it's becoming part of us. And uh, but I, I just went. Oh, that's so good because it's really easy to compare ourselves to what everybody else, where everybody else is. But not necessarily talk about where we currently are. That's what I want to talk to you today about. Listen to this. First John chapter three, verses one, it says, how great is the love of the father or how great is the love? The father has lavished on us. The word lavished. Means To cloak. To cover, to consume. So when it says, how great is the love the father has covered, has placed on us, has consumed us, has enveloped us in. And it goes on, it says that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. There's a scripture in the Bible, and I didn't do it for, for in, in, intention's sake. It says, it says, love covers the multitude of our sins. I want you to remember that love covers the multitude of sins. And in every relationship, that is the product. That is the, that is the desire, is that we find love, whether it be in relationship with our friends, whether it be in with our kids, whether it be in relationships with our spouses. We want community where we find safety, where we find love, where we find encouragement, where we find these things. But it's always about love. I'm going to be honest. I loved what she said. She says, we're not after your money. <laughs> but in relationships, it's all about greed. Let's be honest. The only reason I'm in this relationship is because of what I can get. Now, then you get into understanding the depth of that relationship, and you go, wait a second, in marriage, it's not about what I can get. And then you go into relationship with your kids, it's not about what I can get, because you never get anything <laughs> except for bills. <laughs> Right? Heartache. See, it's about love. God created us. I don't know if you know this, but God created us to have relationship with him. Not only so that we can experience God's love, but that God can experience our love. That we can choose to love him back. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Psalms 103 verses 8. Psalms 103 verses 8 says, the Lord is compassionate. The word compassionate means to to replace one's or to take one's place. So the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. One translation says he's rich in love. Can I tell you when, if you were to look at, if this was the case, if you were to look at the bank account of God, it does not have money, gold, jewelry. Gold in God's eyes is street. It's pavement. It's what you walk on. It's what gets you from one place to another. But God is wealthy. The the, the currency of heaven is love. So when it says that he's rich in love, that he has this bank account of, of love that he's ready to distribute to those that receive him. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could receive the love of God and no longer be separated from him because of sin. It says that he is slow to anger and he's abounding, he's overflowing, he's rich in love. Now flip with me to Luke chapter 15, we're going to read from 11 to 32, but Luke 15 verses 11 through 32, it says, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, listen, listen to this, and fathers, I want you to pay attention, parents, t- Listen to what was really being said here. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in while living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Notice where he runs. It says... So he went and hired himself. The actual word for that is he attached himself to a a citizen of that country who went out and sent him into the field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one, listen to this, no one gave gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants? Have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long distance off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. What does the compassion mean? To replace, to take one's place. His father saw him coming and was filled with the idea and the understanding, but also the willingness to take his place. Very crucial. Don't forget that. And it says he saw him and was filled with compassion. So he ran to his son, threw his his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, "Father, if I have uh, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." But the father said to his servants, "Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring me the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine who was dead is alive again. He who was lost is found. So one of the servants, at, or, so he began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son who was in the field went. And, and uh, when he came into the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called to one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has, uh, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go out. His father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father. Now notice this. Look. All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed any of your orders, yet you have never even given me a young goat. Not a, not a fatted calf, but you've never even given me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours who has, been squand- who has squandered all your property with prostitutes and comes home and kill, you kill the fatted calf for him, listen to the father's response. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Let me say it again. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But I had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. Father, I ask that you would lend me your voice. God, I'm not here to preach my advice. I'm not here to reach and, and release my opinion. I'm here, Father, to just simply... Repeat what I've heard you say to me. And so, Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross. Make me invisible. Help me to disappear so that they don't leave saying, talking about what Jamie said. But they leave here being gripped by what you said. Holy Spirit, have your way and give me your help. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. This story is one of the most familiar and well-loved of all of Jesus' parables. It is a parable usually called the prodigal son. How many have ever heard the prodigal son story? And it's highlighting and focusing on the kid that ran away. The kid that wasted his wealth. But I want you, as we finish up, but truly not finish up understanding on relationship, but we all step closer, we all lean in to God and say, God, I want to have better relationships than ever before. I want to try to change your mind. I want you to consider another name for this parable. And that would be the prodigal father. Everybody say that with me. Say the prodigal father. You may say, well, what does that really have to do with anything? It has everything to do with it. That's why I named it. What's love got to do with this? First, you have to define the word prodigal. The word prodigal. And the first you have to define it and then why it can apply to both both of the sons, not just one. It actually, it defines and describes both of the sons, but it also includes the father. And I believe scripturally it's more about the father than it is about the sons. See, it can apply to both the sons and the generous father. The word prodigal means excessive, wasteful, or extravagant. Let me say it again. It means excessive, wasteful, or extravagant. And I can see how we highlight, especially as preachers, about the prodigal son that went and squandered all of his dad's wealth and wasted it on the things of this world and then attaches himself. He actually hired himself. And when you say attached, if you actually understand Old Testament history, he became a slave of that that farmer. And when you became a slave, what they would do is they'd take this all and they would pierce your ear with it. Meaning that you are not free. And if you leave, it will cost you your life. So he literally hired him. So he sold his soul to a foreign man, to a citizen of that land. Well, it's said that they were actually where, where the prodigal son was from and where he went. Where he attached himself, where he, actually, let me back that up, where he partied was in a city called Decapolis. Anybody know where Decapolis is in the scriptures? It was known as 10 cities. And it was like, not, not to try to highlight it, but it would be like our Las Vegas, Nevada. It's where people go to sin intentionally and on purpose. To go live wild. Everything that happens here stays here. There's no repercussions. There's no consequences. It's just, hey, being young and dumb and having fun, right? Well, that's where he went. And what he did is he attached himself. He sold his soul to a citizen of that land so that he could never go home freely. And we as preachers will highlight that it, he wasted, he was excessive in his, in his living, he was extravagant in the way that he lived, and he was wasteful. He wasted potential, he wasted his, his, dad's, his dad's trust, he wasted his dad's money. But I want you to follow with me just for a few moments this morning. See, when we're talking about the sons, we're using the term in a derogatory translation, The younger son was excessive and extravagant in the way that he lived. The scripture says that he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He blew his money carelessly, he acted irresponsibly, he lived life recklessly. His life was defined by his quest for selfish pleasure and his inheritance was wasted on searching for temporal gratification. He lived for the moment of pleasure and satisfaction but never thinking or never thought about how his current decisions would influence his life's direction and ultimately determine his future destination. Can I tell you, in relationships, a lot of times, we don't think about, if I say this or I do this, how is this going to affect me? I love this preacher sitting in front of me. He taught me a lot on that live. You need to go watch it. Taught me about the butterfly thing, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a scientific term, that if a butterfly flaps its wing, it can cause a hurricane somewhere else. I don't know all the details of it, but I'm going to write a sermon on it. But there was one point he said, everything we do, Affects everyone around us all the time. Was that right? He's literally, as I'm saying it, he's lipping it. You're the best teleprompter ever. (laughs) Everything we do affects everyone around us all the time. There is nothing that we do that does not affect people. And we sit there and the sun, and just thought, man, I'm just enjoying my life. I'm just doing what I want to do. Why does it bother anybody else? And a lot of times that's our mentality, but we don't understand. The decisions we make point us in a direction and ultimately will lead us to a destination. I've been flying. I've literally flown three million miles. I've never got on a plane. Without knowing where that pl- plane is going, it may not be going directly where I want to go, but it's stopping me and connecting me in a place where ultimately it gets me where I want to be. But I've never got on a plane ever in my entire life that says, "Wow, where are we going? I don't know." I'll never forget. I was flying, and I may have shared this story, but I was in I was in uh, Juneau, Alaska, and it, the, the the airport was it was chaotic, but it was confusing. It was the most confusing thing I'd ever seen in my life. In all my years of flying, they literally had you check your ticket here. You walked across the airport to go through this this terminal to go outside. You walked and got on this plane. I'll never forget. We were on the plane, on the plane. And the pilot says, if you're not going to Seattle, Washington, you're on the wrong plane. Literally three people got up. (laughs) And I'm like, how did you get on the wrong plane? They were like, we just were following people. How many bad decisions have we made just because we've been following people? And then we get there and we're like, how did we get here? Dummy. (laughs) Let's go back to your last decisions. See. He wasted everything he had and came to the point of having nothing. The other son, however, lived a completely different lifestyle. He lives a life seemingly committed service, right? It looked like he was the best son, the the committed son, the loyal son. But listen to this. He lives a life seemingly committed service to the father, but he still, too, wastes his opportunity to have any type of meaningful relationship with the father. His life is spent slaving away to be good enough in the father's eyes. I got to earn my dad's love. He never knew that his father was as generous or even kind, but instead strict and demanding. Even though his this son never actually spent any of his inheritance, like the brother, he too wasted it and had nothing to show for it. So here's our dilemma, making them both prodigals. Watch this now. One son could not wait to leave home while the other son merely was there out of performance. Both however misunderstood. What their inheritance was from their father. One thought. Their, inhe- their His inheritance was useful. For what he could acquire. The other thought his inheritance was earned. By what he could accomplish. Sounds like modern day church. Some of you in this place. Are all law. God said. And so it'll be. I have tattoos on my arm. People are like you're going to hell. While they're eating bacon. I'm just being real. It's easy for people to scream at me and talk about my flaws. But let us if you're going to take out the whole Bible, let's obey it all. Let's do no work on Friday night all the way through Saturday night. Let's give 10% of everything. That's gross, not net. Let's give community offerings so that there's no need in our community. If we're going to go by law, let's go by law. But then there's other people that are all grace. There's no rules. Like It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. right? right? Everything's a party. It's all fun. Woo! I'll show up late to church. Listen, I'll just give God what I want. God will forgive me. God's a God of love. God's a God of grace. And we're split. Those that are trying to earn the love of God and those that are taking advantage of the love of God. Relationships. How many of us can literally go through and say, well, this person fits in this category with us and this person, my marriage is like this. My kids are like this. My work is like this. And and we're literally caught in this dilemma. Trying to figure it all out. Watch this now. See, both of them were wrong. And here's what I mean. Remember the word prodigal? Prodigal means excessive, extravagant, or wasteful. And it can be used as a comp- complimentary description. This is where it applies to the father in the story. He was recklessly extravagant in his love and his loyalty and his devotion and his compassion with his kids. Even though they were very different. He loved them both exactly the same. Even though both of them had two different outlooks of the father. It wasn't because of what he did. It's what they did. See, he was excessive. This applies to the father in our story. He was recklessly extravagant in his devotion to his children. He was excessive and abundant and rich in love, in his grace, in his giving. The father gave profusely and generously to them both. One abused it while the other one refused it, but both of them misused it. The younger son, the one who has no fear of approaching his father for his portion of the inheritance, the father is more than generous to him. The younger son basically comes to his dad and says, Dad, can I have my inheritance? Well, let's define what an inheritance is. It's what the father has worked to acquire and accumulate so that upon his death, he would be able to release this as a blessing of legacy. So when do you receive your inheritance? When the father dies. So go back to this punk snot-nosed kid. Hey, dad. I want my inheritance. I can't wait for you to die. That's exactly what it says. I can't wait for you to get out of the way because you, you still breathing is stopping me from doing what I want to do. So since you're still breathing and you refuse to die, go ahead and give me what's coming to me anyway. The fa- Listen, I grew up in an Italian home. I would have flown backwards over the seat. And I'd had to go to a dentist. I had a real crazy smile missing my front teeth. My dad would have knocked me into next week. But this dad didn't. He said, All right, son, here you go. And he rightfully divides what's his, and he divides it according to his two sons. So, in order, To give it to the one who's asking. He also had to rightly divide to the one who wasn't. What does that mean? There are people in this room that have no problem asking God. God I need you to do something. God I need you to do something. God I need you to do something. And yet there's other people that are terrified to ask him for anything. And we're sitting here and God's saying listen it's. All yours. Because as long as you're with me. As long as you're in my presence, everything I've got is yours. So you don't have to try to manipulate. You don't try to have to do a certain thing. It's yours whether you understand it, whether you believe in it, whether you feel like you deserve it. It's yours. Can you imagine having that type of a heart for the people in your life? I'll be the first one to answer the altar call today because God's still working on me in my marriage as a father. Right? Because a lot of times, and you heard Nick talk about it last week, well, it's easy to move out of offense. fence. It's easy to get offended. Why, why do people, people hurt my feelings? It steps on my pride and it, it builds my insecurity so it's easy to put up these walls it's easy to put up these defense but what happens really is going wait a second this isn't about me at all my bride and I we were talking the other day and she she goes i just want you. this was so sunday we celebrated 29 years monday i had back surgery and i'm, I'm on tuesday we're driving and i'm in pain and uh She said, I I, I, I want to tell you something. I said, yeah. And she goes, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. I said, for what? And she goes, I just need you to forgive me. I said, well, what did you do wrong? And she goes, I've been praying that God would change you. I said, thanks for the prayers. I've been praying that too. To be honest, I didn't find any offense in it. Please pray that God would change me. And she goes, the Lord told me, that's not for me to pray. She said, I want you to forgive me. She says, because my prayer needs to be, God, would you change me? And I said, baby girl, a year and a half ago, the Lord spoke to me. and He said, stop praying for me to change everybody else. Start praying that I would change you to be better for everyone else. That they would want to change. This is that prodigal coming out. The father gives it generously. Without, without rebuttal, without any type of disclaimer. Just said, here you go. And now watch what happens. And we've got to go through this quickly. It says, I want my share of the inheritance and I want it now. The father would have been justified with being angry with his son and denying him. But no, he doesn't. In fact, he agrees with the son's demand and he grants the young man his request He gives him his portion of the inheritance. Already the father is showing his patience, his grace, and his costly love. He gives his son what he asked for with a broken heart, knowing full well his son is no longer has a reason to stay. The young man's request is not denied, but it's received. The young man then packs up his newly acquired wealth and runs away from home towards his desired freedom. He is allured and attracted by the appeal of the world. He spends everything, all that he has, he exhausts trying to find something to satisfy. It's got to be better than what I have here. And he goes out there and everybody was his friend as long as he was paying the bill. He wasn't lonely when he had money. But all of a sudden he runs out of money and they're in a severe famine and where's his friends now? Isn't it funny? The relationships, we will give everything to, but when it comes down to it, they'll give you nothing in return when you have a need. But yet we'll cling to those relationships. I think I heard a story about a raccoon. We'll hold on. And get ourselves stuck, won't we? Yeah. See, but after it's all gone, after he spent all that he had, after he has nothing left, it says that the son went and hired himself out to a citizen of that land. He's fully aware of his predicament. Notice this, he goes and feeds pigs. Do you know at that time it was illegal for Jewish people? People to associate with pigs. And yet now he's feeding them. But not only is he feeding them. He desires to eat what they're eating. That's nasty. I've seen what pigs eat. But it's amazing when you're so broken. And so devastated. And so deflated. And so discouraged. And so depressed. You're willing to take anything. Because of the relationships we've surrounded ourselves with. But here's one of my favorite parts: it says he came to his senses. He was fully aware of his predicament. He came to his senses. He senses his situation. He senses his condition. He senses uh, to his, his that he's in this mess because of his decisions. At first, he's probably thought when he first went into the pig's pen, this ain't so bad. You ever been there? We've traveled a lot and we've stayed in some hotels where Shelly and I walk in and she's like, oh, dear Lord. And I'm like, it's not so bad. And then in the middle of the night, something crawls up on your face and you're like, oh, God, what was that? It's so bad. It's so bad. Trying to find the good in the bad. You know what I'm talking about? He probably was like, oh, this ain't so bad. Man, I've always wanted to work in the open fields, and I've never been around pigs. This is a new experience. I'm building my portfolio. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, his stomach starts growling. And now he can hear the party still going on without him. He's being screamed at. He's lower than the pigs. Because at least the pigs have something to eat. And then all of a sudden, this thought from it's not so bad, Comes into his mind. What am I doing here? Says when he finally. In the scripture says when he finally came to his senses. He said to himself at home. Even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say. My father I have sinned against heaven and against earth. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. See sometimes it takes failure, isolation, loneliness, brokenness, humiliation and loss. For us to have come to our senses. I love my bride and I when when our night our niece died of cancer. Man, it was horrible. She was like our daughter before we had kids. She died when she was 18 years old and man, we believed God for God was going to heal her. We believed for for 15 months we knew God was going to heal her and then all of a sudden she passed. We'd seen other all these other miracles. And it knocks the wind out of you. And I'll never forget Shelly was reading a book one day and all of a sudden Joy, she was in such deep depression. Joy began to break that shell. And she came in and she ran in and she goes, I got to give you this quote. I just read in this book. And I said, what is it? And she said, God will disrupt perfection in order to restore passion. She said, we got back to the point where God was here to serve us. And if God's not going to serve us, if God's not going to heal Amanda, then then we're done with it. She said, I just want to love God because I love God because he first loved me. See, it says he came to his senses, and i got to spend a little bit of time here real quick for the educator. Do you remember when you were taught about your five senses? What, about, fifth, about first kindergarten, something like that? What are your five senses? Let's just break this down and make it very elementary. It says he came to his senses. What were your five senses? Sight. So, sight. He came to his sense of sight and he began to look around and go, what, what in the world? Where how did I get here? He looked at his clothes that were torn. He looked at his clothes that were dirty. He looked at the people that he was associating with. He looked. He probably looked in the, in the reflection of mud and saw a hole in his ear. He probably looked at himself feeling disgusted and busted and going, how did I get here? He began to come to his sense of sight. He began to look at the pigs and how they were fighting. He began to look at his cuts. He began to look at his hurts and his pains. Came to a sense of sight, and then all of a sudden, he came to a sense of hearing. He could hear. He could hear the people partying. He could hear his stomach growling. But he could hear the call from home saying, "Son." He came to a sense of smell. What do you think it smelled like? You ever been around a pig's? I think hell's going to smell like that. (laughs) I told that to a farmer, a pig farmer, one time, and he goes, "You know what that smell smells like?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Money." I said, your money smells different than mine. I'll go broke. The smell. But he couldn't differentiate the smell between the pigs and him. Because he took on the aroma of his environment. He could begin to feel the hunger. He came to a sense of feeling He could feel the hunger. He could feel the pigs pushing in against him. He could feel the isolation. He could feel the loneliness. But then he came to the sense of taste. What do you think he tasted? Well, for the scientists in the room, if you soak your feet in warm fluid, you know when they start getting wrinkly? And you take a clove of garlic Fresh garlic and you rub it on the bottom soles of your feet. Within 15 to 30 minutes you can taste garlic in your mouth. There's something that takes where you're standing into where you're tasting. Let's go back to where he was standing. That's why it says taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you're in his presence you're like wait a second. But he was not in that presence. He was in a mess. And that aftertaste of his decisions began to make him nauseous. And he said, how how am I here when even my father has hired servants? I'll go back home and I'll just repent and I'll say, make me a slave. I'm already a slave here. He knew that if he left there, it would cost him his life. So he packs up everything, not that he had anything, and he goes home. And this is where we begin to conclude this message. He goes home. And as he's approaching, he's thinking to himself, I blew it. How stupid I've been. The realization led to repentance and brokenness. and But what started out with, with was just simply awareness. It's good when we realize that our self-chosen ways are leading us down dead ends into pig's pens. And until we realize the depth of our sin, we'll never understand the greatness of the Father's love. See, he knew where his Father was. But he also knew where his Father was not. His Father never left him. Nor did he abandon him. But he's the one who left. He had to return to the Father. But you can't expect a move of God in a pig's pen. It's on the road of return that you find Him. Some of you are keeping on. Well, God's gonna, if God wants me, He's gonna come find me. The reason I give altar calls is you gotta be willing to move from where you are to get to where you wanna be. See, He gets out of the pig's pen and he's like, I gotta go home. I gotta go home. See the sun understood not only did he have to leave the address of that place, but the attraction, the practice, and the attitude of that place. What does that mean? Watch this now. See, he had to change what brought him to that place. So he decided to leave and return to the Father, even if it was coming home as a servant. Returning to the Father also meant returning to the Father's ways. He knew he could not return to the Father's house with a pig's pen behavior, but he knew that he didn't need to go get cleaned up in order to take, go home and take a bath. Here's what I mean, and we're closing. You remember when you were a kid and your parents would say like, as long as you live in... We had the same dad, I guess. As long as you live in... You're going to go by. And if you don't like my rules. So when I was 18, I moved out and got my own house. My rules. My house. And then I had kids. And somewhere I picked up my dad's lingo. And one day my oldest daughter started questioning me. I said, let me explain something real quick to you. It's this simple. This is my house. And these are my rules. you don't like the rules, there's the door. Let me explain something real quick. and this is very under, this is very important for relationship. You've got to be willing to leave what's been trying to destroy you. He gets to the Father he's running home, now watch this there's only one thing wrong with the young man's plans, he thinks to himself I'm no longer worthy of being called your son he's right but he's completely wrong he left as a son but became delusioned by his behavior and now felt like he was a slave he thought his identity was linked to his lifestyle and how he felt about himself but his value to the father had not changed because of his actions or experiences nor would it who he was was not determined by what he had done or where he had been the love of the Father is not based on you, it's placed on you. There's, this is where we discover the true prodigality of the Father. His Father is excessive, extravagant spending of grace and love. What would seem wasteful to some is desperately needed for others. Because the Father was rich in love, He was also rich in mercy, rich in grace, rich in forgiveness. But here's a few things that He didn't. Know, he knew about His Father. He knew His Father was rich and generous. He knew His Father was kind and forgiving. He knew his father was loving and compassionate. But these are the things, Bobby, he didn't know about his father. His father was not in need of another servant. He was missing his son. There were no no uh, now hiring help wanted signs. There were missing, have you seen him? Another thing he didn't realize about his father was his father was anxiously awaiting for his return. Sitting. And the third thing was, is the father didn't give him his entire inheritance. There was still more. When you feel like you've blown it, there's still more. So he rose and came to his father. And as it seems, his fathers he sees his father's house. What can he expect? A beat down, a public humiliation, a verbal execution in front of everyone? Well, I certainly deserve it. He must have been thinking, but do, I do deserve it. But now what does he see coming Coming up the road rapidly approaching him? It's the father, and he's running towards him. And he looks he looks like he's happy. He looks like he's crying. He's not angry. He's running to meet me, and he's happy to see me. A hug, a kiss, the father's warm embrace. I don't deserve this. Now watch this for a moment. This is very important. Bobby, I'm going to ask you to do this illustration with me because we're brothers now and it's going to get awkward. I want you you to hug me. I want you to hug me. This is the father. This is the father right here. This is the son. Watch what the son does. Read your scriptures. He pushes off the father and says, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against you. And I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. Watch what the Father does. He doesn't say, I forgive you. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, listen, it's okay, son. He doesn't even acknowledge his apology. He turns to his servant and he says, go get me my robe. Go get me my sandals. Go get me my ring. And go get me the fatted calf. You can be seated real quick. He said, go get me the robe. Why? How great is the love of the Father that lavished, that covers us. See, what would have happened is if the city would have saw the kid coming in, they would have stoned him to death. He was dirty. They could smell pig on him. They would have killed him. So the Father said, grab me my rope, my rope, so that he doesn't just look like him. He looks like me. I protect him with my love. The robe represents covering. He said, get me my ring. Why?" He said, even though, son, you've broken my heart, I'm still committed to you. You represent me, and I will always represent you. I am committed no matter what. Can I tell you, what we need in relationship like never before is commitment. But then he said, give me my sandals, Why?'" Sandals represent comfort. I know you've walked through some things, son. And I know your feet are hurting. And I know you're limping. But let me explain something. You're not going to walk that way anymore. I'm going to not only. I'm not only going to cover you. I'm not only going to be committed to you. But I'm going to comfort you. And then he said, get me the fatted calf. How does a rich man know there's a fatted calf? Because when the son left, the father got a hobby of feeding those calves. Because he was, every day he would go feed them. And sometimes he would feed them ten times a day. Every time he thought of his son, he's saying, my son's coming home. My son's coming home. So the more he fed him, the fatter the calf got. Covering. Commitment. Comfort. Celebration. Can you imagine if we put those four things into every relationship we have? That we cover one another. That we commit to one another. That we, we comfort when they're hurting. And we celebrate. The older brother was ticked. The older brother was ticked. He was like, how dare you? I've been slaving for you. Isn't that the same verbiage that the younger brother just said? Just make me a, son, a slave. I don't want a slave. I want a son. But, Dad, you, I've, I've been here. I've slaved for you, and you've never even given me a goat. Can I tell you something? You know who ate the goats? The servants. You know who ate the oxen? The sons. He said, you've never even given me a goat for me and my friends. That meant who his friends were were servants. He stopped walking in the identity that God created him to walk in. Beloved, why am I saying all this? Because we are in a season where we better know who we are and we better know whose we are. And that only comes through right relationship. And if we're in right relationship with him, we'll start growing in every other relationship we've got. Now, here's the crazy part of this story. Y'all, y'all know when it's Jamie Montero, there's always this one little thing. Now for the rest of the story. The younger son went to, now this is, a, this is a, a parable. Parables are supposed to be this imaginary story, possibly maybe it's real, maybe it's not, but I got a question for you. The prodigal son goes to Decapolis the 10 cities. He gets hired to go take care of the pigs. Well, where do we read a capitalist when Jesus came? Do you remember the demoniac that was in the cemetery and they had pigs? And when Jesus set the demoniac free, he cast the demons into the pigs and they drowned themselves off the cliffs. Why is that important? Because in order for that younger son when he punctured his ear, he was a slave, so his life was no longer his own. So the father would have had to send the, the oldest son to go pay the price for him, for his freedom. And the older son may not have come home. He may have had to go literally take his place as a slave. So this son is ticked because he's like, why do you do this? Let me explain this. Why did Jesus come? Because he came to take our place. And why did he kill the pigs? Because he's going to destroy everything that will stop you from coming home. Y'all feel that? If I had hair, I'd stand up. Jesus wants relationship with you. And he will do everything. And he will not stop until he has it. Will you stand up with me all over this place? The son finally understands his inheritance is not found in the presence of his father, but the presence of his father. How true is the character of our heavenly father, God, who does not strike us down when we deserve. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about just for a moment every relationship that you have whether it be with your spouse whether it be with your kids whether it be with your neighbors whether it be with your family siblings, parents, extended family I want you to think about the relationship you have with your coworkers or your employers or employees I want you to think about those relationships for a moment it's no longer about praying God change them it's about praying, God, change me so that you can reach them. So that you can impact them. So that when they see me, they see me or they see you in me. And they want what I have. Father, I preached what you told me to preach. I did what you told me to do to the best of my ability. This is where I get out of the way so you can ultimately have your way. God, I want a better relationship with you than I've ever had in my life. And I thank you that you are wasteful. I thank you that you are extravagant and you are excessive in your love towards me. Your forgiveness towards me. I thank you that God, what other people called this waste, when you saved me, God, you saw as purpose. How many people in this room, Father, need that kind of love, need that kind of embrace? I want you to close your eyes. The prodigal son had this whole plan, if I just come and repent. He just simply had to come home. That's what the biggest part was. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask every person, and I know it's about to get tight in here, and we're not gonna hold you captive for a long time, but I'm gonna ask every person in this building. I want you to leave your seat, and I want you to come and stand as close to this stage as possible. Every person. I want husbands and brides, I want you holding hands. I want, if you've got some kids, I want you to put your hands around your kids. If your parents are here, grab your parents, draw them close. You got some friends here, maybe you don't have a spouse, maybe you don't have some kids. You got friends here, you got family here. And there is nobody that's alone. There's nobody without, because as long as you're with Him, everything is yours. Love like you've never known, mercy like you've never known, grace like you've never known, forgiveness like you've never known. but I want you to get as close, come on, as quick, as quickly as you can because I want us to do something, real quick as soon as I get everybody up here now everybody look at me real quick you ever ask yourself the question, what in my life stops God from doing what He wants to do? what in my life? maybe it's hurt, maybe it's pain, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's bitterness maybe it's, you don't trust? Today, something has to be laid down in order for something to be picked up. And God can't release what's in His hands until you release what's in yours. But His hands are a whole lot bigger. And what's in God's hands is not going to hurt. It's not going to harm. And it's not, I promise you, it, it is not something that you will regret receiving. But if you have anger and unforgiveness towards people, maybe friends, maybe people in this room. Maybe towards church. If you have unforgiveness... It's like you drinking poison expecting the person that you're mad at to get sick. It's just hurting you. Let it go. I'm sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry. I can't change that. But it's time to let it go. So all over this place, with your eyes closed, I want you to ask yourself that question. What in my life is stopping God from doing what He wants to do?
0: And as your eyes are closed,
1: as they're singing this song, it's perfect. Ask, seek,
0: knock. What
1: in your life is holding back? What is stopping God?
0: Is it pride, sir? Is it fear, ma'am?
1: Let it go today. Let nothing stop you
0: from becoming who God created you to be. That
1: son, that daughter, that woman, that man freedom of peace of joy of love all over this place if it's sin let it go if it's hurt let it go if it's fear release it come on all over this place in your own words don't look around don't worry about what anybody else is doing God make me who you created me to be
0: help me to be that person let it go, God.
1: I let it go, God. I let it go, God. Roll back that Go back that, stone.
0: Go back that stone. your spirit out. your spirit. Jesus, we're here in your presence, we change everything, Jesus, roll back In this room, Jesus, pour your spirit out.
1: I want you to put a hand on the person next to you, put it on their shoulder. Maybe if it's a a friend, a loved one, grab a hold of their hand. I want every person in this room knowing you're not alone, you're in a community that cares you're a part of something that's bigger than just you when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt and I want you to pray that God would begin to work within that person's life that God would begin to send breakthroughs that God would begin to bless their socks off that God would begin to wrap them up in arms of love that He would begin to cover that He would begin to commit that He would begin to show that commitment to them He'd begin to comfort them
0: you Come on, on, begin to pray out. for your neighbors. Begin Just to pray like for those people Nazareth, next to you. out of that grave, God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything when you pour your spirit out. Just like Silas, singing with Paul, Praise can break down prison walls. Jesus, you can't have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? watch the door swing wide open. Roll back that stone. Roll back that stone. All we have to do is just ask, seek, knock, watch the door swing wide open. Roll back that stone. Roll back that stone. All we have to do is just ask, seek, knock, watch the door swing wide. Roll back that stone Roll back that stone All we have to do is just ask, seek, knock, wash the door, sweep wide open Roll back that stone Jesus We know you here Jesus it's just who you are Jesus Jesus we love you
1: Jesus Jesus now I want you to look at me for a second and I'm going to turn this over to Jen whether we sing or whether we dismiss we'll follow her lead but on Monday I had back, a back procedure, and I was in lots of pain, and I could have went home and laid there and felt sorry for myself. But I said, I felt like I needed to go fishing. Just, just saying, it's better than drugs. So I went down there, I was really careful. And I went down there, and I was sitting at this one point, and this will make sense to when you hear where I'm going. But I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I wasn't really even fishing. I was just, just there, just praying. And my rule is every day, God, help me to find one person that needs me. Help me to find one person that needs me. And I say, God, you know, I don't want to waste today. And all of a sudden, my fishing pole goes crazy. It's just fly rod. It just and I'm, I'm sitting there, well, I ain't got a whole lot of strength. My legs are a little bit feeble, and so I'm just, like, standing there, and I'm just trying to pull it in, and all of a sudden I hear this guy going, hey, do you need some help? And I said, yes. And he nets his fish, and we start talking, and he said, man, that's a beautiful fish. And he was like, he's like, bro, are you okay? You're kind of wobbly. And I said, I just had back a back procedure. And he says, what? And I said, I said, man, I'm a minister. And I said, I just was out here praying when I caught this fish, and he said, no way, you're a minister. His name was Pat. And he said, I just came out here today lost. He said, I just lost my family. I just lost my job. And he said, I don't even know why I'm alive. And he said, man, he says, uh, "Could I ask you some questions? I said, absolutely. He says, you think God gets mad at us? He said, I think God's mad at us, or mad at me. He's taking everything i weigh." I said, I don't think he's mad at you. I said, he's trying to get your attention. Long story short, I said, let me pray for you. He said, ah. I said, no, let me pray for you, bro. You help me, let me help you. I went to pray for him, and he's just weeping. Just weeping. Can I tell you, there's purpose in your pain. But somebody outside these walls needs you. They need to know that you're real. They need to know that you struggle just like they struggle. They need to know that life is messy. But they also need to know that God is good. Thank you for listening. If you're
0: able, we would love to have you join us in service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find more information on Facebook. Just search Curry First Assembly. Have a great day.